Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry I have found through many years of searching. I love my Dragon Boat Paddle Heart earrings and my pendant. The jewelers at Strokeside Designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as Tiffany & Company and Cartier. All of the pieces are hand-finished from fine materials. Express your passion for kayaking, canoeing, and dragon boating. Visit PaddleJewelry.com and get free shipping with the code PINK. That is PaddleJewelry.com and enter the code PINK. Are you a dragon boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon fiber dragon boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the dragon boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for listening. On this episode, Tara Dunsmore, an eight-year breast cancer survivor from Raleigh, North Carolina, joined us on the podcast to share her story. She was diagnosed in 2012 at the age of 39 with stage one invasive ductal carcinoma. She talked about the difficulties that she faced throughout her treatments and how she felt like she did not have a voice. Through her own experience with areola tattooing, Tara became trained and founded Pink Ink Tattoo in 2014 to give women a better experience. Take a listen in. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Tara Dunsmore. She is an eight-year breast cancer survivor. She is also the founder and artist at Pink Ink Tattoo. So thank you, Tara, so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about, first of all, your own cancer journey. Um, so you were 39 when you were diagnosed, but tell me a little bit about, were you going for mammograms? Did you find a lump doing a self-breast exam? Like what, what kind of happened for you? So when I was 30, um, I had a wonderful primary physician and um, I had large breasts and they were pretty dense. And so she said, let's just get a baseline. And so we did at 30 and she wanted to keep um, just keeping an eye on things about every two years. But being young and busy with three small children, I waited and did it um, the third year. And then when I was 33, they found a small uh, little area that they were a little concerned about. So I went to see a surgeon. It was right on the bra line and it turned out to be just fatty tissue. So no big deal. And I wasn't, that didn't concern me. I, for some reason, you know, I just knew it was okay. And then, um, I was supposed to go back two years later, but I waited at 36. I went back and everything was still fine. And then when I went for my checkup at 30, um, Eight, she said, you know, don't wait, go and do it. 
And about six months later, something in my gut just said, you need to go get your mammogram. And so I did. And then that's kind of when the floodgates opened and everything just uh, changed. Yeah. So they, so really it was just because of the size of your breast that they opted that they wanted to do it at 30, like they hadn't talked about like family history or anything like that? No, the only history at all that I had any type of breast concerning um, issues, my mom had had um, fibristic breast. And so she had a major um, breast reduction back in the 80s, but she didn't have any cancer or anything like that. So to be honest, you know, I really don't know why she was so proactive on starting early, but I'm certainly thankful because if she wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't be here today. Absolutely. I mean, I, I am sitting here like great for that doctor because, you know, that is definitely not the norm. And even people who are, you know, kind of creeping up on that forties, you know, sometimes they're even told, no, you know, you can kind of wait until you hit 40 and then we can see from there. But, you know, there, it's a staggering number of women under the age of 40 every year who are diagnosed with breast cancer. So the conversation has to change. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, for whatever her reasoning was, I'm, you know, grateful as I'm sure you are that she was, you know, just being so proactive. Um, so, but you, like, you didn't feel anything. It was just kind no. of a gut feeling. You're just like, I, it was something's yeah. not no. right. Gotta go. Okay got to go. And I not having a family history or feeling any lumps, you know, I went in just a normal day. All right, I'll go get this mammogram, had it done. Even the technician looking back, she looked at me almost with that. Oh no face, you know, but at the time I didn't think about it because I thought, I mean, certainly not me. I'm 39 and I don't have family history and I don't feel anything. And, um, but of course, you know, um, a few days later, she called me and said, Hey, I want you to go look, you know, meet the surgeon. Um, what are you doing today? Because I scheduled you for one o'clock. And I went, Okay. Wow. And she said, I know. And I was pretty shocked. Like, why? What's the urgency? And she said, um, And I'm going to send you, you know, into Raleigh, which was a different. Um, area because I have the surgeon I had seen here was pretty local to my home. And so for me to drive, you know, 20 minutes further into town, I was like, all right, well, maybe, you know, it's insurance reasoning. And so she said, um, your um, paperwork and all your records from the radiologist should be there by the time you get there. If they're not, don't worry about it. She'll get, you know, on the computer and find everything. And I said, well, I can swing by the hospital because I'm right here near it. I'll pick it up. And she was like, okay, if you're sure. And, I'm, and I was like, yeah, like I didn't think it was a big deal. And my oldest daughter was with me and we went and I ran in and snatched him up and I got back in the car. And when I pulled it out of the folder and so I'm a nurse and I've been a nurse for 18 years now. And so I've read these, I've looked at them a million times in my career and I pulled it out and my stomach dropped and I just like, just felt like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. 
I hear you. So on that. I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pause you real quick because you totally sure. reminded me of something that I had done too, where I went and I picked up my films. I picked up my my um, mammography films as well right. as I think I also got the radiology report, but I don't remember to go down to a different hospital to get. Um, it was the breast surgeon, but they were also going to run some additional tests. And I remember pulling out, and I'm not a nurse. I have no background on that, but I remember pulling out my films and being like. Well, I see this white thing on there, and I see all these other little, yeah. like white little specks. But I thought, yeah, there's no way that that could possibly be cancer because cancer should not yeah, be white, not right? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, right. and I'm thinking, like, you know, white is supposed to be like clear and clean, and you know, it's just. I think of something different when I think of like, you know, something that would show up yeah. white. I would expect cancer to be dark and, you know, gross <laughs> and dirty. Horns. Yeah, it's just something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, you reminded me of that. So um, did you, prior to this, did you have a biopsy at all or this is just no. still the ultrasound? Okay. Okay. Literally just from the mammogram and, um, and then her sending me, you know, to the breast surgeon and it, it is, it's just so shocking. And so I, instead of going straight to the office, I, you know, went home and I dropped my daughter off and I looked at my husband and I just said, we got to go outside. And he was like, what, are, what, what's going on? And I just, um, like m did hand motions because the words couldn't come out of my mouth. Yeah. It makes me a little emotional. I haven't talked about it in a little bit, but, um, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So I just said, oh my God, like they say I have this five centimeter, which is huge wow. with trend lens, which look like little spider legs coming off of this tumor that they say I have. So this is how, you know, my journey started with finding this and it's in my armpit. And I said, oh my God, like, this is not good. Like there's my lymph nodes are right there. That's what I can't even believe this. And even the radiologist said stage five. And I said, well, you know, what in the is stage five? Like, I've never heard of that. He's crazy. What does that even mean? And so um, my husband just went silent and he was devastated because his whole um, idea of breast cancer isn't a good one. His grandmother um, passed away of it back in the eighties and she was like his mom and he took care of her. And when she went through chemo and, you know, back then it was one size fits all same chemo, radical mastectomy and, um, you know, sick. And so that's what he, and then I immediately thought, Oh my God, I have to suck it up. Like I can't break down right now because he's going to lose it. Here's our kids are in the house. They're going to be like, what's going on? And so I just said, wait a minute, times are different. Things, medicine's different. Everything's different. Let's just go to this doctor, see what's going on. Like, I don't even feel this. I should be able to feel something so huge. Right. And so, um, we got in the car. I, my appointment was at one. We went in and she, the breast surgeon just went over the area manually, just kept checking and checking. She was like, Tara, I don't feel anything here. I'm going to send you over. We're going to do some ultrasounds and mammograms. So we did that. Um, literally for seven hours, mm. we sat there just going over every single layer tissue, everything on both breasts, the chest, everywhere, my armpits, everywhere, up my neck. And 
So then she said, there's just nothing there, you know, but we did find calcification. And I um, was like, okay, so who, you know, I don't have that big tumor, but what do you mean calcification? And she goes, well, we can either watch it for six months or do a biopsy. Well, I'm pretty aggressive with myself anyway. And I'm like, we're doing a biopsy. I That was hell this day. Yeah, I mean, look. I'm not waiting around for six months. And yeah. you also nope. just went from somebody who said something about stage five, which, you know, <laughs> right. help us like, with I that because <laughs> we don't know what yeah. that is. Um, yeah. yeah so, but, I mean, I later found out what he was referring to because okay. I guess it's different stages from like your breast cancer diagnosis to like what a radiographer or a radiologist um, do stages in. But anyway, it sounded okay. really bad and it, it still isn't good. Yeah, of course. It, and it is bad. And so I said, no, to ease my mind, I, I need to do the biopsy. Let's do it. So a couple days later, I went in, we did it, and it was a stereotactic um, biopsy, which isn't fun. And So what and does that then, mean? Because I'm not necessarily So you sure. lay on a table, and it's crazy. So you lay on a table um, with both breasts kind of like through these the circle or square. Yeah. Ooh. And you're raised really high in the air, and just your boobs are hanging oh, through this it's yeah. I think they might only I mean, do that for women that have big breasts because I did not I have don't that know. experience. I'm pretty sure <laughs> well, that's, that's the case because they're We're probably the like, awful. what do we do with these things? <laughs> sorry, I have like this like, no. visual image of what that would look like. So sorry. And it's not pretty. <laughs> no, I mean, it, this is what happened. And so um, then it's just like a gazillion literally over and over and over like rubber band snappings. That's what it felt like, like little mm. bee stings um, where they are retrieving part of the cell of the calcification. Um, so then I left that day and um, she called me back pretty soon after and just said, it's positive for cancer. It's hormone positive. She was shocked. I was shocked. And I thought, oh my God, if I would have waited six months, what? you know, what in the world would have happened. So she said, I want you to come in. We're going to talk about options for your treatment. And I already knew as soon as the word cancer came out, I was done. And we went in and I said, I want a double mastectomy. I'm not even messing around. If I can have reconstruction, great. If I can't, I'm ready to accept that. I'm a nurse. I did my research. I prayed about this. I've talked about my family, but this is what I want. And she said, well, that's pretty extreme, Tara. And, you know, a lumpectomy, radiation, and tamoxifen is what would be, I think, beneficial for you. I don't think you need to be so extreme. And I said, you know, great, but this is what I want to do. Yeah. Like, and I felt like, you know, it's my body. It should be my choice. I agree. I educated myself. I know, I know what I want. So I'm going to... Peace of mind. Pause right, right there. So, so I'm going to share with you real quick because I was... Sure. Um, you know, a, a bit ago, I was researching um, just some stuff about breast cancer, and I came upon an article that was um, that included information. It was about Shirley Temple, so I did not know that number one Shirley Temple had um, breast cancer. But one of the, the quotes that she had that I just absolutely loved was, um, "The doctor makes the incision; I make the decision." Yeah, and I love so that. sadly we don't right. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. So and did, I love that too. Yeah. Yeah. So did, um, did she kind of buckle or did she really push she for did that? Not. Really? So no. And, um, we just 
so we went round and round. And then finally, she, I said, listen, if you can just do one, then we'll do one. I'll pay for the other one. Because she kept telling me, your insurance isn't going to cover prophylactic. And I was like, that's insane. But, you know, I mean, we'll do, we'll do whatever we need to. So anyway, she did schedule for a bilateral. And I was diagnosed February 28th of 2012. And then March um 15th, we had scheduled for the bilateral. So I was at ease. Okay, fine. She's agreeing with me. That's great. I'm getting prepared, everything with work, with my family. And then on the 13th, she called and said, um, sorry, Tara, I've had to move it to March 29th because insurance has kicked back. And I was devastated. And I was just like, Absolutely. no, like, we can't wait. What do you mean? Like you said, everything was taken care of. Um, and then a few hours later, my family called, um, who live in Ohio and said, and I'm in North Carolina and said, you know, your dad is on the way to hospital and it doesn't look good. And so like my whole life at that point was just like crumbling. I couldn't believe anything. All of this was happening. So I jumped in the car, booked it up to Ohio and he was in intensive care and I was with him, um, the last two days of his life because he actually passed away on my surgery oh date. Oh my gosh. Which, yeah. Which I was his chills. birthday as well. Oh yeah. my gosh. I have the chills. So it was like a triple whammy, you know, here I am with cancer on my surgery day, which was his birthday and he died. And so on my way back, I just felt so, I just, I was so sad. And she called my breast surgeon called and said, Tara, I've had to change, change of plans. We're going to do a lumpectomy on the 29th (sighs) and just get it out of you. And I felt like I had no voice. Like here I am driving through the mountains, getting ready to come home to bear, you know, make arrangements for my father. And, um, I just couldn't believe it. So I ended up going on the 29th and having the lumpectomy. But before we went in, I said, you know, this isn't the end. Like I'm going to have this double mastectomy. So please, you know, I know Tara, I know we're going to schedule, let's just get it out, buy some time and see what we're dealing with. And so when I was in recovery, she went to my husband and said, you know, she's doing good. She's in recovery. And I placed rods for radiation. And my husband stood up and said, why would you do that? You know what she wants. Why would you make that decision for her? She's going to be so upset. And she said, well, your insurance isn't going to cover it and you can't afford it. And First of all, she doesn't know us <laughs> at all. Wow. Like, I couldn't Hold believe. On. Right. Yeah. Isn't that so, awful? Wait a minute. So at this point, like, had she even brought up, like, genetic testing at all? I mean, was that even a conversation? I, I did have genetic testing. Yeah, and, I did have it, and I was negative for okay. the BRCA1 and 2. So okay. she did do that. Okay. Um, yep. But with my father... Um, there's a lot of cancer in his side of the family different. And my aunt did die at 31 from um, ovarian cancer, uterine cancer. And so being that young, you know, but she was going on maternal side, your mother's family doesn't have any. That's uh, my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't always come from our moms. (laughs) No, it doesn't. And so, um, so here I wake up with these rods for radiation. Unsuspecting. Unsuspecting. Yeah. Right. And she didn't even come and see me. And she's pretty um, respected around town. Like she's well known. And so it was shocking that this was happening. Um, So when I went for my one week post-op, I had had it. And I had already done my research, found another surgeon. And I walked in and 
I said, well, because her nurse called with the results of that pathology from the lumpectomy, which showed it had now become invasive. So within this 30-day period of being diagnosed to the surgery date, um, it went from the stage, you know, calcification, which was DCIS, to invasive ductal carcinoma. So now it already broke through the duct. It's going into the tissue. And I think that just made me snap. Just everything that I was dealing with in life and then this. Now it's worse. And I just went in and I said, listen, if you can't support me in my decision, this is my body and this is my choice. And God forbid, if you're ever in my position, I hope and pray that you never have to be here as the patient. But if you are, you should be able to make your own choice. And if you want a lumpectomy, you go for it. You know, that's your choice. And we should all have a a voice in our own decision of our treatment. And And don't have a doctor like you. Don't. Yeah, and if you right, yeah, I mean, and so sadly, I said, you know, yeah. if you so sad, and I said, if you can't support me, I gotta go. Like I gotta go right now. And she put her hand on my knee, and I'll never forget. She just said, "Let's just regroup. Let's regroup. I understand, and I um, am definitely supporting your decision. Let's talk about dates and times." And I just thought, all all of this, you know, the yeah. past few months, the surgery for ultimately to end up coming back to the double mastectomy, which we ended up doing May 29th. And, you know, it was just like, it's a shame because I've met so many women now, what I do that have been in my same position, but didn't have that voice to speak up and say, that's not what I want. Right. You know, and then years later, they didn't have that decision that they had to have, you know what I mean? So absolutely. It's just really sad. And so I had the double mastectomy on May 29th of 2012 with immediate reconstruction, um, which was the expanders. Um, And that's where they fill it up with saline, you know, every 10, 14 days or so. And um, Mm. my plastic surgeon was, you know, I say he was like my saving grace as far as the medical field through this whole entire process. His bedside manner was the best I've, and I've worked with doctors and you know, plastic surgeons now with what I do, there's so many fabulous, wonderful, caring doctors, but mine was just something special, especially going through what I did with my breast surgeon. So for him, you know, I could cry. He probably, I probably drove him nuts, but, um, you know, (laughs) I think our stories are very similar because (laughs) I spent so much time crying in my plastic surgeon's office. Yeah. (laughs) He was probably like, here she comes again. Exactly. Oh, where are all the tissues? My 15 minute therapy session. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and he did, he, well, he's life changing physically, emotionally, you know, every way. And so we did the, um, he just did it really well because he did, we took a while to, um, expand and he wasn't in a rush. So I didn't have tons of pain and he just, everything just went really smooth that way. And then, um, the September 6th was my last fill up. And I remember going in and I was of course emotional. I'm like, Dr. Pyle, like I, my girlfriends want to take me out. It's my 40th birthday and we're going to go have margaritas and I don't want to drink. And he was just like, Tara, the stress, go have a margarita. Like you deserve it. The stress you put yourself on, you know, stressing out about not having one, um, you know, it causes more damage to you than going and just having a margarita. Just don't go crazy, you know, every day, all the time. And I was like, you know what? That's right. Like I need to live in the moment. I need to live life. 
and, you know, moderately, of course, I mean, probably with periods of let loose for real, but you know, um, <laughs> it's called balance. We're human. <laughs> and so, balance. right, exactly. And so, um, then Christmas time. So now we're into December and I had, um, the exchange surgery where they took the expanders out and put the permanent, you know, implants then. And then, um, and that was December 20th. And then come March of 2013, I had nipple reconstruction and fat grafting. So they took fat from other places, not enough from other places, but anyway, he did what he was (laughs) supposed to, took it, put it, you know, around the implants and, um, around my chest area to make it look more natural and, um, did the nipple reconstruction, which was crazy because I had never seen it or heard of it. And I'd taken care of breast cancer patients. So to see this whole process was uh, mind blowing. It was just fascinating. And then, um, when I was finished with that and I went for my post-op, he said, all right, you know, you're going to heal. And then, the next stage, which will be the last, is um, areola tattooing. And I mean, I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, who does this? This is amazing. (laughs) I I need to know who is this. Right. Who is this? Is what a wonderful human being like to give us back that last final step. Yeah. And I said, who is it? There's somebody in town. Like, where do I need to go? And he was like, no. There, Baltimore. I said, what do you mean there's no <laughs> expert? He said, well, you know, our nurse does it. She does a pretty good job. She's oh, wow. been trained a couple times. He was like, and I said, well, who's the expert though? And he was like, there's no one. So him and I searched and searched for months. And um, I found, you know, a couple of people in the country. And back in 13, there really wasn't anyone doing it, just a few folks. And it was in a tattoo shop and, you know, amazing work. It looked great, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't the fit for me. And I have tattoos, so I'm not intimidated by a tattoo shop. It just, this is special and this was different and I didn't want to do it that way. You know, I wanted it to be like, this was a celebration to end of this whole nightmare that I have the year prior. And so, you know, when he said, you know, it's August now, Tara, what do you, you know, I really think it's important for you to get closure with this. She was trained again. Her work looks pretty good. And so I looked at it and I was just thought, God, I guess I'll just put some color there. You know, that basically is what it looked like. And so uh, the weekend before, you know, I scheduled with her. It was a Monday, I think. And that weekend prior, my girlfriends, um, who there's like seven of us that are really close. And sadly, three in four years have been diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And all young. And so that weekend, so I was in the middle, I was the number two. And so that weekend they were like, okay, Tara, oh my God, this is exciting because our girlfriend before she didn't do reconstruction. And, um, so we had, none of us had known, you know, what this was about. So anyway, we had lipstick and lip liner and everything else. And we were like, what color are you going to choose? And it was just exciting. And, you know, we were drinking wine and just celebrating like, here we are. This is it. Like two years in a row, we've been dealing with this in our friend circle. And so um, when I got there Monday, I was excited to be able to choose what I wanted. And that was not what was going to be happening. Oh. So Nope. She said, you know, here's three sizes, pick what you want and bubblegum pink. Here's the colors you get bubblegum pink, chocolate brown or nude. And oh. I, <laughs> I looked at her, I go, 
we can you mix anything? She was like, <laughs> none of the above. <laughs> and I went, you're kidding me. What? I saw you can't even choose. And she was like, no, but you're Caucasian. So these two colors, you know, are pretty <laughs> common. And I went, oh, what? And I just, my mind was blown. Like it's 2013 now. Certainly we can, we've advanced more than this, but no. So we went in and I sat down and she started tattooing. You know, she put her music on. She made it comfortable for her. She was real sweet. Don't get me wrong. She was a really nice nurse, but you know, it was her job and this was her duty and this was her position for the day, what she was going to be doing. And so she started tattooing and halfway through half a nipple, I said, oh my God, can you put lidocaine or anything? Oh, Tara, you shouldn't feel anything. Like you had a double mastectomy. Your nerves are cut. You don't have any feeling. And I go, listen, I thought that before I sat down here, but I am ready to melt through this chair. Like that is the most pain I've ever felt in my life. You got to be kidding me. Do you have lidocaine or anything? And she was like, oh no, 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 no. We don't use lidocaine. No. And I go, what? Like, I'm a nurse, you're a nurse, come on, get it. It hurts, it It hurts, let's figure something out. And I'm like, we're going to have to like stop then. And she's like, well, you'll have a half a nipple. And I'm like, hey, I I will have a half a nipple. Like, I can't do it. This is is too painful, I can't do it. And so she just said, just take a deep breath. I'm going to be finished, you can't go. So I just bared down, let her dig in. And um, when I was done, I was supposed to go have lunch with my kids and we were going to just like kind of have a quiet little celebration. I had to come home literally and pass out because it was so painful oh my and put like ice packs on my chest. Like it was nuts and not a great experience when I was walking. No, oh, it was a horrifying. And when I walked through that door though, when I left her room and there's kind of like a little long hot hallway with this, you know, angelic light that is coming down, you know, so I'm walking through, I'm just like, okay, think of the positive, you're finished, you're, oh, this is over, get, you're ready to move on with life. Something just came over me so strongly and it was like, you have to do this, you're going to do this. And good for you. Yeah. And I struggled just to kind of go kind of full circle with this. I struggled with my faith when I was diagnosed and my dad got sick and was dying and you know, it really just um, brought everything into perspective. And honestly, when I just surrendered and I was like, all right, God, I can't handle any, like I'm a strong woman, but I can't do it. Like I can't do anymore. And my whole entire life changed. So at that moment I listened to that, you know, whatever it was. And I was like, you're right. I have to do this. And I remember walking through that door and my plastic surgeon was standing there with a sweet face. And he was just like, so how do you feel? And I said, well, that was, that's unacceptable. And I'm going to go train with the best in the world. I'm coming back because we deserve the best. And he said, do it. And then eight months later, I, you know, and financially, and I'm sure so many people can relate to this financially, cancer just drains everything you know, for the most of us, I mean, we went from two incomes to a half an income and, you know, it was like pay this or put food on the table, you know, keep your lights on or do this. I mean, my husband was not going to go, let me go by myself through any of this. So every appointment, everything, he was right by my side. Um, so for me to say, Hey, I mean, I know I'm getting ready to go back to work and now we're moving on, but I'm going to start my own business. And and become you know, a nipple tattoo artist. Yes. And I need thousands of dollars. 
How's that sound? I mean, he looked at me and he was like, hey, if this is what you feel like you need to do, well, it'll work. We'll figure it out. And sure enough, we did. And it's so awesome. And then um, April of 2014, I started, I founded Pink Ink Tattoo. And so, um, you know, I knew I wanted the best of everything. I knew that, you know, when somebody came to me for areola 3D nipple tattooing, that they can have whoever they want in that room. If they want a party, we're having a party. Because it's not about me. Right. It's about them. And if they want whatever music they want, like on my phone that I put the music on, I have every kind of music you can ever imagine because it's what they want. I just put it on. They tell me and it's going. And then, you know, we go over color and size. They're going to match what they want. I mean, I'm not doing any tattooing until they have exactly what they want. And they look in the mirror and say, yep, that's the color. I mean, look, if somebody comes in and they say, I want purple. I feel like Tara's going to be like, okay, that is your decision. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I don't have purple, but I'm going to, okay. I'll mix it until we get to a purple <laughs> because in my ink, which is different. Um, so I don't do any type of traditional tattooing and I don't use traditional type of ink. My ink is formulated for breast cancer survivors. So Very naturally nice. and on its own, oh my gosh. Yeah. It looks like areola colors just all by itself, mixing it just makes it unique and individual for what you want. And so that was super important to me. And the fact that it's made in the USA and it doesn't have any heavy metal, it's gamma sterilized, like all these factors I wouldn't have known about if I wasn't a nurse because I didn't know anything about that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and most of us don't, you know, like it's right. I I mean, we think about, okay, we're going to get a tattoo. We know that that's, you know, there's ink and we don't think about necessarily what's inside of that ink. That's, then going on and to for our bodies. Me, yeah. Right. And for me, I'm like infection control. Like I took care of infection control when I worked and I, you know, wound care, I specialize in wound care, you know, um, and that was one of my specialties. So it was like, I wanted to make sure that this ink, you know, we're not going to have a reaction to it and it's going to look natural. And Hey, if we need an MRI or a CAT scan or anything else in the future, it's not going to affect it. And it doesn't. So it's MRI safe. And, you know, that was important to me as well. And then, um, you know, the needles, I had a tattoo artist come to me and he said, you know, Tara, I can get you a thousand needles for like 10 bucks. And I'm like, he goes, but you got to switch to this machine. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What I use is the best. And sure, they're $15 a piece per needle. I don't care. It is the best and it gives the best outcome. So thank you, but I got it. Right. And so, you know, it's just tiny details that make such a huge impact on, in a positive way that are important to me. Absolutely. And, and then so do do insurance companies for the most part cover that cost or is it typically out of pocket? So what they do, they do pay me up front and then I give them a detailed receipt for their insurance company with their medical and diagnostic codes, but it has my nursing license, my tax ID, and I do have an insurance number. So I am in the insurance system already across the country and which helps, you know, get that reimbursed, but I only work out of plastic surgeons offices. So I don't have a tattoo shop or Um, anything like that. I work literally side by side with plastic surgeons across the country. Um, yep. And my home office is actually my plastic surgeon. So he did not get rid of me. (laughs) He kind of likes me, I think. And he knows I'm doing good things. So, you know, he was like, 
when I founded this and I told him, he said, you get in here, you know, this is my office, you get in here and you help women. And so here I am almost six years later, still at his office and helping women who travel from everywhere, you know, to come and see me. So, which is such an honor, but that is another factor for insurance because it's done in a medical facility by a medical professional, you know, being a nurse. Yeah. I mean, that really does make sense to, you know, because I mean, who knows what would, what somebody might get if they go into a tattoo shop, you know what I mean? Like sure they can put it down to something, but you know, a medical facility that's, I I think would be a little bit different. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in the beginning, the first, um, probably couple years, insurance companies were like, what is this? Oh, this is cosmetic. Let me tell you, I spent days and hours on the phone with almost every single insurance company calling. And I'm like, listen, I'm a survivor. This is not cosmetic. This is, you know, the ending. It's the last step to the reconstruction process. And let me remind you of the 1998 Women's Health Act law. And then they're like, oh, (laughs) wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Which covers breath reconstruction and everything that goes with that, you know? So I always tell my clients, you know, submit it. And if for some reason it is um, denied or kicked back, you know, of course they can reach out to me and I'll help fight for them. I'm not an expert, you know, in insurance or anything like that, but being through it myself, you know, with my surgeries and all that. And then with this being where I am now, it's not about me, you know, doing the tattoo, helping them feel good again, and then give me your money and buy. It's like, you deserve to be reimbursed. Like right. this money should be covered by insurance, period. Well, and you bring a, you bring a completely different perspective to the whole thing sure. because you are a breast cancer survivor. And I think that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Thank I you so much. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're kind of over our time. So I definitely want to, um, before we wrap up, I want to talk about where people can find you. Um, so it is pink ink tattoo. Um, so where, what is your website, any social media accounts that you might have? Sure. So my website is pinkinktattoo.com. Pretty simple. And, um, Instagram is, um, same thing, but it's pink underscore ink underscore tattoo. And then, um, Twitter is pink ink tattoo one. And then, um, my website has everything on there as well with my email and you can contact me through there. Awesome. And, you know, maybe I do go to your plastic surgeon's office because I do go to Mississippi and Texas and oh, wow. I'm in the works of New York and Florida right now. So that would be really nice. But I am based out of North Carolina. So I've had people travel from Gu- Guam and from Canada, which is such an honor. I'm yeah. so honored to be able to help. Absolutely. So I, I think that's fantastic. Well, you know, our, our time has come to an end. Um, you know, I, you've shared so much great information Um you know, I told you kind of at the at the beginning of this uh, before we started recording that I don't actually have any nipples, um, you know, so I didn't go through any of this process. So this is great information for me to hear so that, you know, I can certainly have conversations with people if they were to ask me. So um, this has been informative for me as well. But keep up doing, you know, the great work that you're doing. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. 
Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.